Hi, I'm Chitose, and this is the Brad and Chi Twitter cast. Uh, today we have a special guest, but first we're going to introduce us, me and Brad, of course. <laughs> I'm Chi, uh, Chitose official on Twitter. I am a content creator and a community leader. Uh, I have a Discord community, and yeah, so I'm going to, here's Brad. Brad? Yes, um, I'm Brad, known as uh, the underscore underscore carnival on Twitter because I refuse to accommodate myself to any form of combination of numbers. Um, I'm mainly just a uh, uh, a gamer on Twitter that posts a variety of stuff, um, known for uh, smelling all of my new games and right now appreciating uh, Jin Sakai's very fine ass. Worshipping that um, ass. Yeah. <laughs> Worthy of. So, um, we're going to go ahead and uh, introduce our guest. Um, is Matthew Dayton. Matt, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, I, as you heard from Brad, I'm Matt. Um, I'm Cannibal on Twitter, and my my handle changes depending on what game I'm playing, as with so many others. Um, I'm an artist, and I don't really know how we would describe my, tw my Twitter. It's really just mostly me, you know, speaking out into the void. I just say whatever comes to mind, probably... But I like or that. Times a day. I, I like personable <laughs> people. Like I can't follow people that don't post about themselves. Like it's really bothersome. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I don't like the the fake personalities mm -hmm. too much. I, I know that people have brands to sell and things like that. But when somebody's committed entirely to this, yeah, uh, this false persona, it just I, I don't know. I it agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, I have the same perception of Twitter where I like following realistic people. Like, I want to know, like, I want to, I don't care if you're, like, having a bad day. I don't, I, I don't care if you post about it. Exactly. There's some people exactly. out there that they get really, like, pent up about, like, oh, this person's so negative and they have horrible <laughs> mental health issues. Ah. Yes. Now, Matt. I try to avoid all that stuff, but, mm -hmm. you know, it finds its way. It's Twitter. Right. It is. The yeah. internet is a it's a crazy place now, Matt. Why don't you tell people about? It? We know uh, you're big uh, big into dreams, and uh, you're yes. actually currently working on a, a porting the uh, original Tomb Raider game in there. That's one of the things you are. You're a big Tomb Raider fan. Why don't you tell people a little bit about that? Um, so early on, obviously, Dreams was announced like eight years ago at this point, um, and I immediately from their first show was probably more hyped for Dreams than I've ever been for any app or game I've ever seen in my life, and I don't know why. It just immediately, I'm an artist, so I'm a, I'm a visual artist, um, and so it immediately spoke to me as an artist, um, because for the first couple years that, that Sony and Media Molecule showed Dreams, it, w it seemed to be more of like a scene-creating app, or, or something where you could just create simple two-dimensional or three-dimensional scenes, <clears throat> and it wasn't until a couple of years in that they started showing, oh no, this is actually a full-fledged game development platform that we're going to release uh, for people to make their dreams on. Um, so immediately <clears throat> I wanted to remake the original Tomb Raider, which I know has at this point been remade by Core and cancelled and then remade by Crystal Dynamics and released and then remastered twice. So I know it's that it's been remade game. several times. It's one of my favorite but games. I, so. Yeah, it's it will always speak to me. It was the first game that I ever bought with my own money when I was 13 years old. And yeah, it was birthday money, so it wasn't really my own. I didn't earn it at 13, but it was the first game I ever pooled $65 together to go buy when I saw somebody playing it on Sega Saturn. I instantly fell in love with it. So 
I bought it on PlayStation and I decided early on that I wanted to remake it in Dreams um, and have been working on it not so steadily as at first, um, but I work on it probably once, twice, three times a week. Um, and I'm currently on the fifth level of the game and there's probably, I think there's like 16 or 17 levels on the original Tomb Raider. So I've got some oh, serious work cut out for me. And it also, um, unfortunately, the worst part about it is that the first thing that I ever made in, in Dreams was the first level of Tomb Raider. And then the last thing that I ever made in Dreams was the last level that I made in Tomb Raider. So the dichotomy in playability and level design is huge between the first level and the fourth level. Um, but yeah, it's... That's basically what I've been doing with Dreams. I've been making <clears throat> original content as well in there, and I sculpt, and I draw, and I make animations. Um, but Tomb Raider always calls me back. Do you, though, do you have to replay the game several times, or do you just have the whole game memorized? Um, no, I. so the first level I do have completely memorized, because obviously it's the quickest to jump into, and, and it's the, I can finish that level in seriously like two minutes. Um, in the original game because it's you know exactly where to go and the level's not as big as it seemed when we were you know in 1996 when that game came out there was no levels like that yet so it seemed like this infinite exploration you know vast expansive exploration and I can go back into the original level and and I pretty much know that level by heart and maybe the second level I did from mostly memory um, you know, and the Lost Valley, actually. So the first three levels, I would say. But uh, since the Tomb of Qualpec, which is the fourth level, and definitely the levels going forward, I'm going to need to watch walkthroughs as I build it. Um, just to get simple references of the traps and puzzles. And I do change things up a little bit because I don't want players going in that know Tomb Raider to know exactly what to do right away. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's a pretty faithful remake. So I do watch playthroughs uh, on YouTube. And I take snapshots of it uh, for references for art and design. That's a lot of talent. Oh my goodness. Thanks. <laughs> I'm really impressed. <clears throat> Thank you. For, for those of you listening, uh, Matt shares a lot of his uh, Tomb Raider progress updates and any all of his other dreams updates on his Twitter page. So if you're curious and following that journey and looking more into it, go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter. Um, He's also very up. personable too, which that's what yes, I like about Matthew. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, thank oh you. yeah. Yeah, no, I try to be. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely a good too much of my time on Twitter, but I love it. No, I'm the same way. Like <laughs> 16 times a day, I swear. So that's that's the whole point of this podcast, though. It's like we decided probably around the like June that we wanted to bring the community a lot closer. Like we noticed a lot good. of separation with um a certain incident with a person in the Final Fantasy community that was like mm -hmm. yeah I'm pretty sure you probably yeah. know what I'm talking about yeah yeah mm -hmm. um <laughs> and we wanted to bring the community together and like introduce people and like maybe like say hey like you know I don't know yeah. I don't know how to describe it yeah I appreciate it it's <laughs> I think it's a good idea um with us being in a pretty much all digital world right now um us extroverts are really struggling so I appreciate any interaction and all interaction. Twitter <laughs> Twitter and online world has been my saving grace, I swear. Yeah, no, same. So, I'm an yeah. extreme extrovert, and I work a lot, yes. and so Twitter's like, yeah. 
You know, and I feel like um, in the last, and, and it's probably because we're all stuck in front of our screens right now, uh -huh. but I feel like in the last uh, year, I've come across so many people on Twitter that I don't understand how I didn't come across before. Like, right. friends of friends that have as many followers or mutuals as I do that I've just literally never once seen a post of theirs. Yep. <clears throat> Yep. And I'm I was like I was year. like the same about you. Like I think I saw yeah, you maybe once or twice, but I'm like, "Oh, okay, you're friends with like yeah. all of my friends." <laughs> exactly. So that's the whole point of this podcast is to really try to introduce everybody, bring them together, like bring various different people, talk about different games and such. So I'm glad that Love you're it. able to be here today. Yeah, yes, me too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're very honored and we're hoping like I said this will bring more friendships for everybody that people will start seeing their friendships grow on here. And we'll I grow. hope so. So, um, so the purpose of this specific episode is we're going to be talking about a variety of uh, <clears throat> topics today, starting with the PlayStation 5, its launch, kind of what's going up, and then the, uh, the very interesting announced KFC console, which apparently is real, according to the internet, and KFC itself. And then finally, yeah. we're going to top it off with it uh, being <clears throat> a new year, just kind of talking about a few of the big 2021 releases, kind of what we're most hyped about, and kind of kick, uh, kick off the new year here. So, Matt... Cool. I know you're a uh, lifelong PlayStation gamer, big fan of PlayStation. Um, yes. You were able to secure a PlayStation 5 at launch, I believe pre-launch. I, right? I still don't have one, so <laughs> <No>. congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so we'll start off with that. So, Matt, um, you got yours through pre-order, correct? Yes, I did, uh, on right, Amazon. Awesome. So why don't you um, talk about what are your first thoughts, initial thoughts have been about the PlayStation 5? Is it, has it been a game changer for it? And is, is it as exciting? Should people really be jumping on this as quickly as possible? Um, I, so I, I'm going to sound really biased. I would definitely say yes. Um, anybody that knows me knows that comes from a place of, like I do, like you said, I really do love PlayStation. Um, I do also love Nintendo. I love video games. I love PC. I love video games. So I, PlayStation has just, <clears throat> like, I, it came out in my formative years, and that's probably why I took such a connection to it um, versus, you know, growing up with Atari and Nintendo and Sega. <clears throat> um, I don't know. PlayStation just taught me that stories can be, and this isn't fair to Nintendo, having you know they've had some mature content as well it was just for some reason when playstation came out all of the games that i got for it from the get-go spoke to me in a way that was more of a story driven i agree um, with you and kind of let me be like wait video games can be for adults i'm playing something <laughs> that i'm probably too young for right now so I got so, the PlayStation around 2002. I was about mm -hmm. 10 years old. I bought, like, same story as you, bought it with my own money, bought my first game with yep. my own money, with my birthday money. And same thing, like, I was more attracted to the adult-like games of the PlayStation 1 than I was yeah. to Nintendo. I love Nintendo, don't get me exactly, wrong. Exactly, yeah. But, like the, like, the games at the time, I really much more enjoyed. Absolutely. And it wasn't so much that I, like, I spent, I mean probably over a hundred hours in front of ocarina of time just running around mario 64 <laughs> same thing i love um, mario i played 64. all kinds of racing games and games on nintendo 64 and i absolutely love that console and always will but the games that were out at the time were more like conquer and mario and there were story driven games like final fantasy 6 was on super nintendo mm -hmm. and i absolutely fell in love with that story oh good <laughs> um there was just something more decidedly adult i guess about the games 
when I played them, like Metal Gear Solid and Final, and I'm talking about a couple years into PlayStation's existence. Right. Um, I, I kind of went back, but we were talking about the PS5 launch. I just wanted to give a basis as to why I would say, from my perspective, why it's absolutely worth it. I mean, the backward compatibility is not... I know that this is not fair to people. I have a giant collection of video games. Um, I don't even really care about the backward compatibility. I've probably spent a total of three or four hours using backward compatibility. So that does limit some of the... Um, usability of the ps5 for me because obviously there's only like what 12 15 games out for it right now Correct. Um, yeah. so if none of those games speak to you the biggest one for me is demon souls i love i've always loved demon souls i've always loved souls games demon souls sold me the second it came out on ps3 and i played i played the shit out of it so <clears throat> um if that game doesn't speak to you, there's really not much else on PS5 that you can't play on PS4. See, I'm one of those fair. people that wait a year after a console comes out because of the exclusive games. And sure, yeah. yeah. And I, the game I, I'm waiting for is we're going to talk about that later. Isn't hasn't come out yet, or they don't even have a date for it yet. So, of course, like yeah. I'm going to wait on that. But just hearing Absolutely. about the PlayStation release and the Xbox release, which. I mean, I'm sure we'll touch a little bit about Xbox as well. We can't really, like, mm -hmm. completely be biased about, even though we're all PlayStation no, gamers. <laughs> so, I mean. It... So, I would say if you're a hardcore gamer like me, um, and I know you both are. I'm not, I'm not oh, saying you're not a hardcore gamer because you didn't <laughs> buy console on launch. If you're a fanatic like me, then absolutely it's worth it. My PS5 has not gotten a moment's rest. <laughs> um, I have played it non-stop since I bought it, and part of that, to be fair, is Dreams, so I am using the backward compatibility, despite what I just said. <laughs> um, I am playing Dreams, like, constantly still, what do you think so of the, the backward compatibility, oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I seriously, I took it out of the package, and I put it in my hands, and I was like, man, this feels like, I don't know, I, I want to say, like, the 4 really disappointed me, um, because the battery life was absolutely terrible on it. I mean, laughably terrible. But With it's dreams, all around vibration, though. Uh, no, I, the <laughs> PS5 controller is oh. fantastic. Yeah. Okay. The PS4 controller battery oh, drove me nuts. Okay. Yeah. Because with dreams, you you use motion input. So I'm not kidding you. Those controllers lasted three three and a half hours for me, and I have 14 of them. And every single <laughs> controller that I have has a broken button or a stuck part and they came at me and so i just playing the dual picking up the dual sense i immediately felt like oh this is not cheap and the dualshock 4 felt a little cheap to me always i thought i was excessive with three controllers like 14 controllers did, did you did, so, do you like the colors of them are you like me where yeah, you're just okay, like yes let me just <laughs> let me just say that i don't buy all those controllers okay i'll usually buy four controllers um, I had kids. I had three kids when mm -hmm. I, when the PlayStation 4 came out, um, and they wanted to play all the multiplayer games with me. So I bought four black controllers. Um, well, you know, the one that came with it, and then yeah. I bought three. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine, two friends of mine, would buy me a colored controller for every birthday and every Christmas. <laughs> so whatever was out, I would get for, for birthday or Christmas. So that is how I ended up with so many controllers. Um, I'm not going to say that I didn't buy any of them because, like, that berry-colored one, 
I like the I have Every the once rose in a while, gold. Like, I can't wait. My favorite. Yes. Yes. My favorite is actually the, so cool. I got into the sunset orange or as I love that one. And the blue. Oh really? <laughs> like the neon blue is really cool too. Yeah, I like that. And my favorite one I think is the uh, five hundred million console. Mm. It's like the see-through blue one with the That's gold cool. buttons. That one was reminds gorgeous. Me, reminds me of a Mad Cats yes. controller. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> Now, with Sony reinventing, obviously, they've uh, moved on from the DualShock phase. Um, the PS5 controller is not called the DualShock 5, for those that don't know. It's called the DualSense, and um, it's a whole different world. It provides haptic feedback. Um, the triggers are adaptive. You've got still the vibrations, the touchpad, all of that, the mic. And um, it feels quite revolutionary. I have a PlayStation 5 myself. And, Matt, how would you describe – would you describe the DualSense as kind of a game-changer, a bit revolutionary in terms of controllers? I would, um, I would more so with the adaptive triggers than I would anything else. Um, <clears throat> there is nothing. I mean, I don't even want to play racing games at all on PS4 anymore. Because after playing a racing game on PS5 and feeling like with WRC9, I'm, I'm super, I love rally racing. I love racing games. Um, as your car gets damaged, you start to feel the clunking and the resistance and the changes in the way your car is behaving in your hands. And that has never been transferred to a controller in history. I mean, like I can feel the moment when I hit the brakes, when the anti-lock brakes not only grab, but start pumping against my finger. So there's something, <laughs> there's an really, really ridiculously extra deep layer of immersion in the triggers, in my opinion. I have every game that has um, adaptive triggers, I found myself, accident i've caught myself smiling while i'm playing it and that doesn't happen a lot in video games you get immersed and you'll laugh it at funny moments and you'll smile and cry and get emotional with the story but to find myself like giddy like a child when you first picked up the nintendo controller because it was your first non-joystick controller or you know picking up the uh, N64 rumble pack and feeling the first ever vibration. It's, I would say it's akin to that. So I would say it's a game changer. With that said, the haptic feedback is perhaps just a small evolution of the already HD rumble on Switch, I would say. Oh. Um, it's, it's good. And it, I, th I would say it's got more... Uh, perhaps more of a range and more of an impact like you can really feel the controller kind of jerking one direction or another when when you hit a rock or when you fire a gun you really feel that impact but i would say that that was a that switch was the jumping off point for that technology yeah Makes sense. All right, so next um, we'll go ahead and move on to Sony actually had – they came out with a pretty decent launch lineup. Now, I know a lot of it was also included with PS4, mm -hmm. but we did get several uh, first-party launch titles with uh, oh, yeah. Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Sackboy, mm -hmm. A Big Adventure. Uh, we got Demon Souls, which Demon, we've already yep. uh, covered a little bit mm -hmm. on here. And then the console itself came packed in with uh, Astro's Playroom, which was kind of a uh, – sequel to astro um astrobot rescue mission on the playstation Mini sequel, yeah. and um it's kind of like a big tech demo i would say for the uh ps5 in a way even though it's a full-fledged uh little platformer I, um, I like to be careful with the term tech demo for that game because astro's playroom on ps4 uh or i'm sorry the playroom 
on PS4, which launched also free with all PS4s, was a tech demo. It was a game that you could finish in 13, 14 minutes with some multiplayer tossed in um, that utilized all the basic functions of the DualShock 4. But I would say Astro's Playroom on PS5 is, it's not a full-fledged game by any means, but I would I would give it the, the risk, I'm not trying to say you were disrespectful or anything, but I would say giving it the label or the respect of being something more akin to a, like a $20 PSN game. You know what Fair I mean? Enough. Yeah. Like it's, it's a real game. There's plenty to do in it. And it's not the only shortfall for me was that it wasn't difficult at all. It was a blast to play, but at no point was I like, man, how am I going to figure this out or do that? That's really my only complaint about it. It was a tech demo for the controller, but does, do you know what I mean? It was yeah, so no, much I, no, more, totally, of a, more than a tech demo. I totally understand that, yeah. yeah. I, I played it. Uh, it was the first game I played on, on PS5. Yeah. I was really excited for it because I had seen enough screenshots on the uh, on Twitter and uh, mm -hmm. videos. And I was like, wow, this is – it kind of revolutionizes the history of PlayStation. It kind of showcases it to you. And they literally have cameos from so many games that have appeared on the PlayStation. Oh, I loved it. The tears. The tears that ran. Oh, it was it was gorgeous. It was so nostalgic. It was, and I um it I spent was. all my time exploring each area in depth because I wanted I was waiting for my one cameo, you know. Uh, yeah. Yes. Like, yes. Where are they? And um, the biggest one that I uh, was looking for, I ended up missing and had to go back and look for it, and that was Tomb Raider. I wanted to see Lara Croft. Me too. Uh, I couldn't find her anywhere, and there she was, way up in the jungle. She was. She was too high up on the cliff. Um, like that's the not the first place as a Tomb Raider basic <clears throat> i would go even further than fanatic like obsession i still didn't find lara croft until i'm not kidding you i had to go through the game four times knowing that she was in that level looking for her because i didn't want to just look it up yeah it, <laughs> it ruins it's, the uh, fun a lot too it is yeah it is yeah they made her where's waldo <laughs> on steroids <laughs> <laughs> um and i will say regarding that game that no other game in recent memory has had a soundtrack that was so immediately over the top catchy. I mean, it blew Astrobot's rescue mission on PSVR out of the water in in terms of it, which had a great soundtrack. But I I'm not joking you that I could not sleep because that stupid GPU song would not leave my head. And the moment my brain fired up for the day, it was like mm -ts, mm -ts, GPU. I just could not stop with that stupid soundtrack. It's like the SSX tricky soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> It'll stick with you. It's really and what's neat about the GPU so song good. is you can mm -hmm. actually in that level find the lyrics to it. Like there's little. I know. I know. <laughs> it's cool. It's so cool. And um, all right, so we have a few others. Did you play any of the other uh, launch titles outside of Dean? Did you play Sackboy or Spider Man at all? Um. So I. I'm pretty sure I got every single launch title um, nice. besides, like, the sports games. Um, I I will say that in comparison to, like, the cross-gen titles that were on PS3 and PS4, the PS4, PS5 cross-gen titles are significantly different. Um, okay. Like, Sackboy yeah. is the amount of, of detail that is missing in the PS4 version, which is not a dog on the PS4. I will always love the PlayStation 4. It's still an impressively capable system that I go back and look at games from, like, launch days, and I'm still like, man, this is a launch game on a eight-year-old console. This is insane. 
So I still go back. I'm not dogging on the graphics on PS4 at all. I just would say that in comparison to like, let's say La uh, The Last of Us Remastered um, on PS3 was already a technically jaw-dropping game. When they released it on PS4, they did add some to the lighting and the, the uh, frames, you know, the frames were bumped up to 60 frames per second in one mode and then 4K, 30 in the other. Hmm. Um, but with the PS5, it seems like the jump in power is so significant in comparison it's that more... games like Sackboy are entirely different to look at. Like I was looking at the set, like the stats for it. Like it's more of a computer now than a console. You know, like it oh, runs absolutely. like a like a basic mm -hmm. gaming computer, and that's mm -hmm. what really impressed me is now that consoles like the Xbox and the PlayStation are into SSDs. Uh, I know we're gonna talk about the KFC console here in a bit. Yeah. And I, I noticed that they were talking about putting an SSD in that, and like it's yes. so impressive because I'm a, I'm mostly a primarily a PC gamer, and yeah. going. And looking at these consoles, it makes me like, oh, well, they're catching up to PC gaming. And like now, and a lot of games are going on cross consoles, like different titles are going on cross consoles. Not really mm -hmm. a big deal to like have all of the consoles right away. Like if you just buy them, because all the, right. right, like all the titles are sporadically yeah. going to go out on all the consoles. Absolutely. Way, it seems like. I think that's always been uh, a discussion is consoles catching up to PC, which mm -hmm. as we all. A anybody out there with any semblance of intelligence knows that's absolutely impossible. Anybody with one thousand more dollars can <laughs> outbuy anybody else's why, PC, basically. That's and why so, I said base gaming PC. <laughs> I didn't yeah, want to like make I mean. it sound like oh, it's and like so liquid cooling. I think it's a, no, of course. I know you're not saying that at all. I'm right. just saying that I think that that what causes that discussion is that games for PC with with some exception, I don't want to say PC doesn't have exclusives or anything, but you PC really games <laughs> have to be developed for a breadth of GPUs, CPUs, and um, uh, HDD, SSD combinations. Whereas a console game, until last generation, was developed for, you know, one set of consoles. So there was only two GPUs and two CPUs they were ever really concerned about. So you see games like God of War and Uncharted 4 looking, by some people's words, better than anything on PC. And that's only because it's so hyper-optimized for the chipset in the console. So it's hard to not say, man, they're, they're close to PC with this console or that console. But it's just a matter of because the games can be opt so hyper optimized. And that's you know what why I mean? games are released six months to a year after they're released on consoles because they're exactly. working on the again like the FPS, the graphics, yep. the lighting, and all yep. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a problem and about of being course, a PC gamer. PCs are yeah, PCs are the generators of CGI and they they create all of that. So. <laughs> that that's not real time that's all process but it has to render it exactly. using its gpu and cpu so it's doing it in real time on its brain so computers will always be uh, so much more advanced than consoles can ever be but i think that's what makes consoles it's special because companies like microsoft and sony and nintendo have to be like man we can't make a two thousand dollar dual gpu powerhouse we have to figure out how to impress people that can't spend more than four or five hundred bucks 
Right. So I think that's what makes consoles, and I'm not saying PCs are not special because, again, I love PCs. I love what they bring to the table. No, I, I love PC gaming. Both. I grew up with it, and I, I played PC a ton. Mm -hmm. So I will always have a special place in my heart for PC gaming as well. Um, I just think that that's kind of what makes consoles special. I agree wholeheartedly, too. And I feel like the that, consoles give you more portability and more... Sure. Like, yeah, like, I, there's just but good things about fair, everything. To be fair to the G, uh, the the C PC market, companies like NVIDIA and AMD build those GPUs with just as much love as any console manufacturer. Yeah, so it's it exists in the PC world too. It's just not fair to companies like AMD and NVIDIA that create things like Titans um, and nobody can, no developer can really fairly take advantage of that without leaving people out. Which is also true of PS5 release. I mean, Games like Demon Souls could never run on PS4, and so if you're not going to buy a PS5, you're left out. So I guess that's just gaming. That's, now, yeah. yeah, so, oh, no, yeah, sorry. Um, So in terms of now, we'll go back to the launch line. Would you say out of, this is now the fifth generation for Sony, out of all five generations, would you call this their best launch lineup, or where would you rank it? Where do you think it is in terms of launch? So I was I was on Twitter being like, oh man, PlayStation 5, best launch lineup ever. And somebody was like, well, what about the PS2 launch lineup? And I was like, I mean, if you didn't like SSX or Tekken Tag Tournament, you didn't have much to play. And he <laughs> put a list in front of me of all the games that released. And I guess I just was too broke at the time to concern myself with the, because I was a kid. I mean, I was, right. I was only like 17, 18 when the PS2 came out. So... I didn't really have like a ton of money to get it and I had to pick one or two games that I could pick up on launch day if even I was probably one game so I don't know I would say PS2 and PS5 have a pretty equivalent launch lineup so I would like to remind people I, I I'm very so into retro gaming um that the PS1 did have Final Fantasy 7 in its lineup <laughs> like it's but it wasn't launch. I thought it was launch. I was told it was no. launch. Oh. No. no, it didn't come now out Now I feel like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> no, oh my god, if that was launch, it would have been number one. Because that's yeah. my number one game. Oh, yeah, that's... Um, the PS1 actually launched, I think, in Japan in like late 94. and then the March US. of 94. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't... See, I was... Oh, I, I'm tw like me and Brad are both 27, so I was like... 10 when the ps2 came out so yeah. i don't remember launch for that like if anything i yeah. remember ps3 and ps4 but if sure. like i don't know i just really enjoy ps1 and ps2 games a lot better i don't i mean don't get me wrong i have a huge collection of my largest collection is ps2 titles um simply because there was so that that console sold like nothing in history and probably nothing ever will again um, and it was, everything was exclusive for PS2 back then because everybody had a PS2. Everybody had like four PS2s in their home within a couple years, the, you know, speaking statistically. Yeah, I had a PS2 I and, an PS2s. and a GameCube. I didn't even have it. Yeah. Like, Xbox was just starting to be a thing when the PS2 just came starting. out. It was yep. like, I think it was, the Xbox was just released. It was their first con Microsoft's first console. Like, I know someone but who to played... show the dichotomy in uh -huh. sales, the PS the PS2 sold 165 million units, whereas the GameCube and Xbox never broke 30 million. Right. So yeah. every single game was made for PS2, and if it wasn't made just for PS2, it was multi-platform on right. PS2 as well. 
So my PS2 collection is gigantic, and I am completely with you. I absolutely love those old school games. <laughs> I would rather go back and play a PS1 or a PS2 game than a PS3 or a PS4 game. Yeah, I didn't I'm play the during the... Way. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I, I, I do the same thing. I actually, my replay, my replay strategies are actually usually games from the 90s or very early. Yeah. yeah. I have never yep. once gone that was That to me is like the golden age of gaming for like... Well, it depends. We were talking about it a little bit on Twitter. I was talking about it with someone. It depends on the genre, really. Like It does. It really does. But, like, for, mm -hmm. like, RPGs, platformers, that was, like, the golden age. It was the 90s, 2000s. Yeah. That's how Definitely. I felt. It was. And it's, it, it's easy to go back to because we don't get as many of those these days. I mean, yes, Nintendo right. still makes platformers but and other stuff. Everyone yeah. is trying to dip their hands in the Battle Royale market. Everyone's yeah, trying to dip their hands into, like... To like the MOBAs, the FPS yeah. games. That's that's more of a statement on, and I know you know, that's more of a statement on, on the... PC. Um, Sorry. Big, well, no, no, no. The big companies hmm. uh, coming into the market and seeing, man, we could really quadruple our uh, income this year if we tap into this market somehow and are successful in tapping into it. Which I swear to God, it almost seems like impossible to tap into that market at this point without doing something like Fall Guys that's completely separate from most, I guess, massively multiplayer. It's not even an It's MMO. a party it's game. Like a, yeah, it's like a giant party game. So it's, I, I agree with you. It's, it's definitely um, going more toward that. But we do see a lot. I think we see a lot of creativity that wasn't allowed in those early days. Um, I know that sounds backward compared to what we were just saying, but back in the day, <clears throat> to take a risk with something like Tomb Raider, that company had six people working for it, including the composer. So they were taking a huge risk, spending every last dollar they had to get that press to discs, pay a publisher to push it out the... Or I'm sorry, have a publisher pay to push it out the door. Um, whereas nowadays there's a lot more accessibility for people like you and I to release like a 10 or $15 game on the PSN. You know, there's so many games out there now made right. by one person. Or like, yeah, um, I so, love, I'm a big indie game person too. So, me too. Like, yeah, I and like, so I, while I do, I will say that there was maybe more focus on platforms and stuff back then, it was all mainstream platforms. And nowadays you have a lot more choices right. in, I don't just have to play Mario or Crash Bandicoot. Now there's like, 20 platformers made by one or two people um so i think there's I, I would say that gaming i would say that that was kind of a golden age but gaming feels like it works more as like swells and shrinks does that make sense yeah I agree. like there was a huge insurgence of platformers in the 90s and then they kind of disappeared on the ps3 xbox 360 era yeah. And now they're kind of coming back on the PS4, PS5 era. So, like you said, indie developers and such like that. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. It's because it's a brand new market and it's unventured territory. It's hard. It's hard to analyze it. Now with the um, now with the any console launch, and I think um, especially with the uh, the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X, um, we do have the issues of stock issues, uh, mm -hmm. scalpers, and mm -hmm. uh, with the rise of the internet, bots which have uh, plagued this kind of launch lineup and have given, um, well, a lot of gamers that would actually use the console and not try to profit off of it. Um, 
be just it's taken it from their hands and a lot of people yeah. aren't able to get it to play it because there's people out here basically robbing people of the consoles to yeah. make a quick buck um so um why don't you tell us your bit of thoughts on that i know scalping is a lot of us don't agree with it um it's frustrating because you're literally taking something you have no desire you have no interest in it basically you are buying something to deprive somebody else of it to make a profit off of it you're capitalizing on something you don't deserve to capitalize on exactly that's that's a great way to put it yeah i want to give a little different of a different perspective too um me and cthulhu actually were having a discussion about this and he like is very he he says it's kind of like sony's fault because there's actually like people willing to buy those like if people stopped buying them for like a thousand dollars at lunch and like sony like took care of it a lot better and made sure like scalpers didn't like or like Walmart or like Best Buy, like those these people like are allowing these like this technology to like buy them out of all their PlayStation fives instead of. So I understand. Of- I understand yeah. like saying the company should do something about it, but the issue is that these bots that these people have set up, these scalpers have set up to buy thirty five hundred consoles at once, are in every sense of the word a real human being. I- there's no way for any company, website, or or, or uh, enterprise to stop them. And it sucks. It really is terrible that there are people that are so greedy and That's depraved out saying. there that they would set up for that. Um, I, I struggle to... stopped buying these $1,000 yeah. consoles and actually just, right. like, ignored these scalpers and just waited until they got enough in because now they're starting like it's it's january 10th they're starting to like actually like regulate it and they're doing a lot better of a job now yeah but like if they would have like i think this has been the hardest launch they've ever had um you have have a global pandemic being part of the problem too that's true what makes the scalpers even worse though is that they're literally taking advantage of people during a global pandemic a forced online distribution Yes, because yeah. stores are not putting them in because they don't want people fighting over them and causing a super right. spreader, which is which is valid. Sony and Microsoft have specifically requested that um, retailers do not put these consoles in the stores. And now, granted, some right. of those violated those. Walmart violated those rules several times, and I believe uh, got in trouble with Sony and Microsoft. Didn't GameStop also sell theirs in stores GameStop as well? GameStop did it too. They did one. So I would, to some degree, um, I would blame GameStop for the entire launch debacle. Um, because I watched the entire presentation from Sony, obviously, and at the end they said these will go on sale tomorrow. So basically midnight tonight. The date, the street date will be this day. GameStop immediately started selling their stock immediately after that. So GameStop ignored Sony's street date, and then because GameStop did it, Best Buy did it. And then once Best Buy did it, every single retailer in the country besides Amazon broke street date. Um, which doesn't make any sense to me. You already have the finite stock number that you're going to get. And GameStop selling through their 5,000 or whatever they have, just an arbitrary number, is not going to change your sales. So I don't understand why everybody did that. Um, but I do think that this was an unprecedented situation in several ways for both Microsoft and Sony. I don't think that Sony understood the demand that they were going to have for the PS5. They probably, I remember when they were very nervous and apprehensive about the, the cost of the PS4 because the cost of the PS5 for the first couple of years crushed it. 
being $600, it really made people not attracted to it. It was a different time apparently because nobody's batting an eye at a $500 console anymore. That's just like, okay, I'm fine. When I saw that the price of the PS5 was going to be $500, I was like, somebody said, our sweet spot, we've discovered our sweet spot is $399. That's what all of our consoles should launch at going forward after, after the PS4 launched and it was super successful. They started talking about this sweet spot for consoles, which is really um, $299, but $399 is still palatable within that realm. They, according to what their studies and you know, consumers showed. So when they announced that the PS5 was going to be $500, I think that to some degree they expected, all right, so it's going to be a bit of a slow up start because only the people that are willing to drop $500, only hardcore gamers are going to go out and do this. But, um, but everybody, <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah. So I, I think <laughs> that they didn't expect the demand to be so high because the demand for the PS5 is unprecedented like it's way more than even i would have expected as a fanboy expected it to be this no i think it's fueled also by a pandemic people have been getting back into gaming more exactly they're they're locked up uh, they're stuck at home they're bored um i just put a story on my twitter the other day about my dad wanting to get back into console gaming he hasn't touched a console since like ps3 and it was for 10 minutes so He asked me the other day if I have any old consoles I want to give him because he's so bored at home. And I think the broken street date from so many retailers and the demand being four times greater than they said they were planning, they anticipated for, and then the pandemic. All three of those things created the worst possible environment for a healthy launch. Um, and don't get me wrong, they've gotten, it's obviously been very healthy for them. They're getting, their stock is skyrocketing. They're selling every PlayStation 5 they make. But part of that is to scalpers. Um, and it does, it, I used to run concerts. I used to do outside operations for concerts and sports venues. So, so I've dealt with scalpers my entire life. And it's just such a sad situation that somebody feels that they can take something that somebody desperately wants, knowing they desperately want it, and then go be like, I know how bad you want this, so pay me three times for it, because they know they'll do it. And I do wish people would stop doing that, but man, when you have a kid that wants something for Christmas, or you're me, it's a bit of desperation, yeah. <laughs> so I think there's more, like Brad said, there's more gamers out there now than ever. Um, as a result of not only the pandemic, but accessibility. And for whatever reason, despite its size, the PS5 and its cost, the PS5 is just, and the Series X, which is significantly smaller, um, they just didn't, no matter what, they could not have planned for the amount of people, even though knowing, man, it's a pandemic, everyone's stuck at home, I still don't think they properly planned. And what more could they have done? They They created the... Uh, factories in June to build it. They're pumping out a PlayStation 5 right away every one minute. Every minute, there's a whole PS5 built by the factory. So there's only so many PS5s they could have built by the launch day um, to release anyway, regardless of, of how much they had planned for an explosive launch. There's still only a specific amount of consoles you can make when you have a factory up and running within four or five months of the uh launch so i think right so let me i don't know i think 
And here, I'll raise a question just for for an interesting uh, sub, just for an interesting debate subject. Do you think it would have been wise for maybe these companies? Obviously, you know that you have only so many, but do you think it would have been wise to let everybody let the let everybody pre-order it, but give them staggered dates of when they would receive the console based on when they knew they would have inventory, and then they would just be charged when they're shipped? Like everybody could get the console, but they wouldn't be charged until that console was shipped. And yes, it might be a couple months, but do you think that would have been feasible? in a way um i don't know that's hard because no that's unprecedented nothing has ever company could do that like it it would be so inconsistent with the customers the consumer base so to some degree gamestop did that um my friend in idaho went to his uh in-person gamestop and waited in line from like five o'clock in the morning until they opened uh with two other people that were there waiting in line separate of him um and when they opened, they said, you guys are actually our second round of customers. You can come in and pre-order the console, but you might not get it until one or two weeks after the launch. And they still pre-ordered it, but I know when it came to launch day, he was like really antsy and concerned because he really wanted it yeah. um, as to when he'd be getting it. And GameStop just kind of said, it'll be after. It'll be a week or two, hopefully, that we get our next round. So I think if they had definite dates... It might put people's mind at ease, but I don't think anybody out there, based on the the way that I saw people reacting to GameStop doing that, I don't think that people would be okay being like, I'm plunking down $500 and go ahead and take it out of my bank account for well, whenever you send the console. Okay, no, that's that's fair. I I totally understand that. It was um it was kind of a curiosity thing. I know because yeah. some people Walmart did that with uh, online. Right. That's how I got mine. Um, they told me, um, here we have it. Um, you'll get it. Probably January 11th was the estimated shipping date. I ended up getting it on Christmas Eve, luckily, so uh, Christmas miracle. But um, <laughs> oh, reality, yeah, I remember I saw that. Yeah, you were like crying, dude. Like, <laughs> um, I do, I do. So if there's something like the way Walmart handled it, according to what you're saying, I think that it would, yeah, it would be successful. Um, my nephew wants one really, really bad, uh, and my mother-in-law is trying to get one, but she just keeps calling me, being like, "Where can I get one?" What can I do? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. You're going to have to wait like six months. I think it would probably put her mind at ease if she could go on Amazon or Walmart or wherever she wants to buy it from and just click buy now or buy whatever, you know, and get an email saying you've definitely been secured for your PS5 and it'll hopefully, you know, maybe it'll arrive within two months or some message or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think if they did that, it probably would put a lot of minds at ease. Yeah, and I, I, I think that would be nice in a way, and it would hopefully, you know, if you see more people, real people securing it in that type of way, it might cool down the scalper market as well if they find a way to do yes. it. I know it's very difficult in general because it is a, mm-hmm. it's a two-way street for everybody. It's yeah. on one end, don't scalp, you know, don't right. do that on purpose. On the other end, they can't scalp, they can't make any money off it if you refuse to buy it from them too. So it's, right. It's it goes both ways, but it is very hard to convince a mother of uh, any type of parent, mother or father that has a kid that's like this is all they want for Christmas or their birthday yeah. or, or whatever it is, and that's the only option because as of, and I, I you know I'm a parent myself as is mm-hmm. um, she and Matt I know you've you've had kids before too, mm-hmm. um, so the reality is you want to do anything for that for your kid, you know yeah. you want right. them to have you know, make them happy and, and, you know, do the whole thing. It's like this badge of honor for a parent. Hey, made my kid happy. Got them what they want. <laughs> <type of laughs> thing. Um, 
and so it's hard and and you cave in and you do it and there is yeah. the super fanboy part of it i had the super fanboy thing going where i said i can wait i can wait i was like i can't wait like i really wanted it and i, I could I see it i could see the subtext in your tweets yep no, I'm <laughs> a little I tried, more patient. I, so so. I, I couldn't, and I got desperate, and there was the fixation level on it. I even got scammed out of one. I had to deal with situation with that, and then, mm -hmm. um, then you know, I got the whole Walmart thing, and luckily, it just it was out of nowhere. I had a buddy that literally works for Walmart, um, in their in their computer programming department. He programs their apps. And <laughs> That's awesome. It was like I just got a PS5. Like, the dude hasn't owned a console since the ps3 is a big pc gamer he's like hey i just secured one to keep trying if you got one i was like no and i was like you son of a bitch like yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been like <laughs> i've been chomping at the bits for this and you logged on one day and <laughs> okay so let me tell you I'm... i was never so angry as i was because they said you know pre-orders will start tonight at midnight or whatever tomorrow morning at midnight however you say it so i went to the gym and worked out for an hour and i got an email from best buy while i was in the gym saying you can pre-order it now and it was gone within and i mean i was in the gym for 45 minutes beyond that email it was well pre-ordered through so i thought for sure i was not going to get one and thankfully um a friend of mine posted uh he gets notifications from amazon when they're about to post a new product um and he sent that link to me three minutes before midnight so i clicked oh, it and there it was so i just got i know i just got really lucky um it does help that i'm like constantly out there being like find me a ps5 i'll I'm like i'm gonna die it's <laughs> it's ridiculous how let me let me ask you guys how did you feel about all the comments um from people being like just know that if you got a ps5 at launch you took that from someone's christmas someone's kids christmas oh man i love those i love those i love mocking karen's like, I, yeah. I laughed my ass off so hard. I was like, by the way, video games are for everybody. And yeah. I, and while this I want everybody to kids. have one, fuck your kid, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate that. I'm like, everyone says like, oh, Christmas is for kids. You're taking away a kid's Christmas gift. I'm like, uh, honey, I've been waiting for this for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> And the way I see it is if you, this is, sounds so insensitive and terrible. But if you cared as much about your kid getting a PS5 as I cared about getting a PS5, then you would have been on the website at the same time as me. You can't, you can't put it on me that I got a PS5 and you weren't there <laughs> on the website at midnight furiously refreshing with your credit card in hand. That's not fair to the world. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, it it's... sucks and I feel terrible for your kid, but... Okay. Your kid's not the only one. Everybody was in that. Yeah, mode. it's it's a thing. Gaming is, and that's it goes to the argument of gaming is for everybody. And yes, you know, kids and parents. You as parents, we have to learn to adapt. Even as a parent, for me, if my kid wants the console at launch, and I know I'm gonna want the co co console at launch anyway. So I mean, in a gaming household, parents are already on top but, of it. Right. But that's but, the that's the picture right there in a yeah. gaming household. Whereas the vast majority of of households are not gaming households and about, mom like, or parents. dad play like, like yeah we're talking about mom like, or dad play like bejeweled on their phone or on their crash. laptop <laughs> right exactly. so those so people are out of the loop you know yeah. those kids, it, the kids got to tell their parents you know how do you get exactly. it exactly have to do their research as a as any type of parent you want to do your research you know so growing up as somebody that. sorry go ahead brad yeah, my mom, when she was buying Christmas gifts for stuff we want or anything she did, she did her research. She figured it right. out. Or I would tell her how I wanted to do it. I mean, my mom was able to get me a, a PS4 
at launch. Like, I didn't yeah. know how to pre-order. I really wanted it. I was a poor college kid, so I couldn't buy it on my own. I couldn't do the pre-orders or anything. And my mom's like, I'll go find one at Christmas. And she got lucky at Target. She went there with a friend. Wow. They were both looking for one for their kids. Her son, their uh-huh. friend son was the same age as me. And Target had some in the back. They weren't supposed to sell them, but the guy sold them to them anyway, and they walked out with Great. it. Great. And it worked Fantastic. out perfectly, and I got one for Christmas, and I was so because that's all I told my parents I wanted for Christmas that year. Yeah, I said, you don't I, have to get anything else; just give me the store. I grew yeah, up in the and to be fair, household, so I was very lucky growing and up. And I did not. I grew up with parents that still cannot figure out. They still like look down their nose at the phone and try to figure <laughs> out. Like they tap the screen from ten feet away and hold it. Like it's a terrifying piece of technology that's going to destroy their life if they push the wrong app or something. <laughs> So I was that kid that grew up with parents that had no idea anything about technology at all. And I had to be like, guys, I need you to find me Tomb Raider 2 on Christmas. And here's where you'll find it. And here's how much it will cost. And, you know, here's I would show them the cover and everything so that there was no chance that they missed out the opportunity to get it for me if they planned on. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's important for the gamer to be like, no, guys, here's what you got to do and if you want to get this. Once again, it's a two-way street. It's, it's, there's a two-way street for everything. The parent has to go in and do their research, but if the kid Absolutely. understands the concept, yes. you, gotta, you as the kid have to tell your parents, yeah, like, look, I know this. Like, if you're passionate about it, you go in, and the parent, they, they look right. it up, you know, they ask. I, and that's it's no different than any toy launch from when I was a kid. Right. I mean, yeah. people used to seriously tear each other apart at Christmas for a toy. the next, yeah, the next G.I. Joe figure with Kung Fu Grip or something stupid they would seriously push each other over to get those toys because there was nothing but retail so it's no different yeah it's no different than it ever was we just have online options and we can see the chaos yeah so i like like it's also us as gamers like people a lot of people were like oh i didn't know about the release like it's our responsibility as gamers to to keep up on that like read articles read gaming magazines like i have news articles on my phone all the time yeah and i think that goes back to exactly what we were just saying the reason that this launch was so mad and so crazy and is still so in demand is because everyone in the world knew about it it wasn't this obscure thing only gamers know about every person that gets on facebook or twitter or instagram or tiktok sees an ad or some sort of presence for this thing from the company right away. Whereas it was like a niche thing. You were like watching N4G or whatever that television oh, was. G4, uh, the, G4, G4, oh my God. <laughs> G4 TV to see commercials for video games. So only you and I ever saw, hey, PS2 or PS3 coming out this day, buy one today. Whereas nowadays our parents aren't watching, even watching TV anymore. Yes. They're literally living their lives on the internet like the rest of us. And so they see all of the ads for them. And I well, think I- that's helped is that it's mainstream. Yeah, and if you look at it, the PS5 launch, and here's what's so funny about the botchery of it, is that it was so botched that SNL made a whole skit about how... I know, <laughs> I know, I saw it. I Yeah, the Eminem parody there. It's with... an Eminem parody, yeah. Oh my it's, god! I, it's the Stan, yeah, Stan song. Stan one, yeah, oh, I heard of yeah. that. I haven't seen it myself, though. So I'll have yeah, to he's writing to, uh, yeah, he's writing to Santa Claus to get a PS5. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hardcore Santa fandom, like driving it, driving in the rain, just telling Santa where. Um, it was. And it's got Dido and all kinds of. It's it's good. 
that's that's just how that's how significantly famously bad this launch was and the issues with the scalping and everything that well it's saturday night live parodies you know it's become a big deal like it's an issue absolutely if it makes it to late night television and i know mm-hmm. europe made like laws against scalping like they were working on a law or something like that okay i heard that um and i saw this um yeah on twitter that someone had posted <sighs> that they proposed legislation in the uk to um yeah, okay, bad. I was going to say, in the UK, that makes sense. That kind of thing would never fly here. And yeah. I'm not saying that I'm against it. Fly- it should fly here. We <laughs> should be able to be like, no, no, it's not fair for you to take someone else's my, product that they spent millions of, billions of dollars inventing, and you capitalize on it because it's in demand to make three times more. I don't yeah, agree with that, and I definitely think there should be laws. But oh, I agree too. There needs to be some type of restriction and stuff on yeah. that. Um, I, I understand that we are in a free market, but there's like a level of free market, like stealing, basically stealing somebody else's product and making absolutely more is I, how I, can how can Nintendo blast a family of four with a sixteen million dollar lawsuit for playing a game on YouTube, but scalpers can take the very product, the Nintendo Switch, and make five times as much on it because it's in demand. It's the same thing, and we just don't see the relationship there enough to concern ourselves with it. In addition, gaming being as big as it is, console gaming is still niche. It's Yes, it makes more money than any other entertainment industry and all of them combined, but console gaming is not... Um, you know, most families buy the new iPhone or the new Samsung or the new phone. They don't really think about the new PS5 until they see it on the shelf yeah um so i think i think that it's still kind of it's still kind of niche so people don't really concern themselves with scalping laws but like when like i said when i ran concert venues and sports venues um those scalpers legally were not breaking the law unless they were within a thousand feet of the venue so i literally had to just walk them a thousand feet away and then they weren't breaking the law anymore so the laws have to be proper um, and and strict, but I don't think that that's something we'll ever come to. As no, as far as very, us, yeah, I don't think I, we will. It'll be very difficult to do, even though, like I said, scalping has been around. The yeah, concert tickets. I heard it was it's really big in the sneaker market. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yep. I forget about the. Oh. That's apparently where scalping began. Was the sneaker? Yeah. Just kind of worried about that. the idea of it, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, and so you hope that things will be that eventually change but we know right now you'll you won't see anything in the united states we have too much yeah the no, united states i hate to on. interrupt uh for time purposes okay. i'm going to end this episode i'm going to start the next one let's do it yeah so yeah. all right uh listen thank you guys for listening on to this one i will be posting both of them at the same time so hopefully you guys can come all right